0: Well, it is great to continue in this study together of how we can love our neighbor well. Thank you, Kelvin. Look, this is a guy who loves his neighbor well, for sure. Um, I got a question for you, though. Have you ever been involved or have you ever heard someone say, well, it's not what you are doing. It is how you are doing it, okay? Let me give you an example. I think this comes up. Maybe some of the men in the room who are married, maybe you have heard this specifically from your wife at times, right? It's not what you said. It is how you said it, or why you said it, okay, even worse. Uh, you know, we are actually walking through uh, some new stages of life with our oldest, with our 10 year old, sweet Riley. Um, he, she is a constant reminder of our need for God's grace in our life. Isn't that right, Riley? She's right here, right now. Here's why she is an absolutely incredible. But we, we have get, gotten to this point. And many of you have been there before of where um, maybe you have had a child that has reached their teenage years and it's not exactly what they are saying is the issue. It is how they are saying it is the issue. This is one of the things that we're coaching Riley through and also Reagan and on and on. Okay, we continue to coach each other. Uh, but, but one of the things, it's not how she is saying it, it is why she is saying it. And then it's the eye roll at the end that really gives an indication of where her heart is. Isn't that right, Riley? Yeah. But here's what is interesting. You know, On this card that we, that we passed out this, this uh, last week, all right, I hope you still have this. If you didn't get one, you can still get one. They're available at the welcome desk. But, but what we have done here for week two is we have put, put down ways to serve. Because one of the things that we get often is, okay, what can I do to serve? The answer is most of the time, what? It's not what I say, it's how I say, okay, it's not what we do to serve. But rather, what we see in our passage today is that what what Jesus really gets at is how we are serving and why we are serving. You see, Jesus takes it a little bit further in Mark chapter 10. That's going to be our text for today. I'm going to be starting in verse 35. I'm going to go all the way through verse 45. But what Jesus gets at, he doesn't just give us a list of things to do. You see, the list that we provide for you on this card, this is just to kind of get your mind flowing a little bit, give you some ideas of how you can serve. But it's not what we do to serve. Jesus gets at the core and he says, but this is how you are to serve. This is why you are to serve. And so if you would, just turn with me to, uh, to Mark chapter 10 and starting in verse uh, 35. And if you have it, you can go ahead and let's stand together as we read God's word. And this is what it says, starting in verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. Boy, that's a a good statement there, isn't it? What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the 10 disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them but it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that we have to worship you in song and in truth. And God, we are asking that as your truth is proclaimed, Jesus, that you, by your spirit, would apply it to our hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We well, may be seated. You know, I find it interesting that when you get to this passage, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about, is how and why we are to be serving our neighbor, how we are to do it. What does it mean to love our neighbor? Well, we saw last week that it is a love that sees and that we want to see our neighbor with purpose. We want to see our neighbor with compassion. We want to see our neighbor with dignity. But how is it that when we see our neighbor, how is it that it moves us to serve? And this is what Jesus gets at first is that we are to serve our neighbor with authenticity. Serve your neighbor with authenticity. You see, before we even get to this point in the gospel of Mark, there there has already been several conversations that Jesus has had with the disciples. Not only conversations, not only has there been dialogue, but there has also been moments of Jesus giving him clear examples of how to serve. I mean, if we think about it just in the previous chapter, Mark chapter 9, in verses 33 through 37, Jesus has this dialogue with the disciples. They're trying to determine, okay, well, who is the greatest? And Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? Almost like they're, the kids just got caught by their parents or something, and, and they begin to scramble a little bit. Well, we're just talking about who is the greatest. And Jesus says to them in verse 35 of Mark chapter 9, he says, Uh, sitting them down. He says, sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. You see, Jesus has already given them this understanding of what it truly means to serve and how to serve well. But obviously it didn't work because this is what they are asking in Mark chapter 10. They said, okay, Jesus, we, we want you to do anything we ask. First of all, that is a pretty bold statement to Jesus. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. But this is what they say. Allow us to sit at your right and your left. You see, what is taking place here, and Jesus sees through their motives. Jesus sees through their angles. And this is what we understand, that if we want to serve well, then serving is not for the purpose of personal advancement. You see, this is what James and John were getting at. They were, they were serving, they were following Jesus, they were, they were doing what he says, but they had this angle in the back of their mind. They have this uh, preconceived notion that, that they're going to have a seat always at the king's table. See, this is what they were looking forward to. This is what they were actually looking into here. They're saying, okay, where is our seat going to be? Jesus said, Hey, hey, listen, we want you to give us the seat of honor. We, we want you to give us the seat that is greatest at your right and at your left. This is what we are asking of you because we want everybody to see how great we are. Well, this is for personal advancement. They have this, angle that they are operating under. They have this angle that they are trying to manipulate the circumstance of the reason why they are following Jesus. And this is what it says as a warning in James chapter 3. It says this, it says, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. You see, selfish ambition, and we see this Uh, in Philippians as well. But selfish ambition is about using your neighbor for personal gain instead of serving your neighbor for their good. This is what James is giving us a warning about. This is you serving your neighbor so that you could feel good about yourself, so that you could check off uh, your box um, that requires you of your religion. That, That we will do this, but it's so that I can have gain in it. There's this catch. There's a hook to you serving. You know, I was kind of convicted about this. And I told Katie, uh, my wife, I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to take Riley and Reagan, our oldest two kids. Hey, I'm going to take them to the driving range. And, you know, I kind of buttered it up with some quality time type of speech. And, um, and, but Katie could probably see right through that and know that I just want to go hit some golf balls. And this is a way for me to be able to do that. But I, I took them with me. So we go to the driving range, and, and it's about 25 minutes in, maybe 30 minutes tops, and, and Riley and Reagan, they are already done. They're like, okay, listen, we've, we've hit some golf balls, we're ready to go. And I'm like, no, 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 listen, guys, this is the greatest sport on the earth. I mean, this is, you gotta love it. You hear you have to. Look, just keep hitting balls, you'll get it. And listen, and, and, and guess what could happen also? I mean, this is something that you and, you and dad can do for years to come. Right? And not only that, man, if you get really good at it, man, dad may not have to pay for any college, all right? (laughs) You see, the problem with my angle here, it had nothing to do with their good. It had everything to do with me. I'm the one who likes to spend time on the driving range, I'm the one who likes to spend time on the golf course, and I'm just using them so that I have an excuse to get out of the house, all right? I just wanted to admit that in front of my wife and in front of this church, in front of the Lord, okay? Listen. (laughs) It wasn't pure, okay? But we do this at times, right? This is how we operate at times, that that we sometimes have hidden angles or a hidden agenda. But Jesus says, no, 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 this is not how it works in my kingdom. This is not how it works. If you want to serve your neighbor well, it is not about you. It is about them. But if we're not to serve for the purpose of our advancement, what are we to do? Jesus is very clear. He gives us the answer at the very end of our passage in verse 45. He says that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, for Jesus, it is, it is very clear. Serving is for the purpose of kingdom advancement. You see, this is the reason why we serve. According to Jesus, we serve not because of, their, of any benefit to our own, but we serve because it is for the kingdom of God. This is the example that Jesus Christ himself gave us. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 7. It says to pursue the well-being of the city. We cannot pursue the well-being of the city. You cannot pursue the well-being of your neighbor if we have any type of hidden agenda or hidden angles against them. Jesus is saying, listen, this is not how you serve in my kingdom. You serve for my purpose. You serve for my kingdom, and that is it. And so what does it look like? If we are to serve for the purpose of God's kingdom, if we are supposed to serve in this way, then what does that practically look like? Well, it means that we serve our neighbor with humility. Serve your neighbor, with humility. This is the tangible evidence of us pursuing God's kingdom is humility. I mean, this is what is on display, not only from Jesus, but what we see as an understanding of how we are to operate all throughout the New Testament. Specifically, we see in our passage today, when when Jesus is correcting the disciples, he says, listen, you you see the ones who are over the Gentiles. Listen, they, they lord their authority over them. They they abuse their authority over them. But do not let it be so among you. He's saying this is not how we operate. If you want to be an authentic follower of Jesus, that's not what we're going to be about. But rather, we are going to serve with humility. And he says this, He says, uh, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, we see uh, this selfish ambition come up. Once again, he says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. You see, selfish ambition and conceit, this is the antithesis of living a humble lifestyle. This is the antithesis of being humble or acting with humility. But the opposite, this is what he says, but in humility... In humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. You know, this is one of those verses that we know and that we say and that it is difficult to practice. See, what Paul says, he says, it's this simple. Consider others more than yourself. This is how we are to act with humility. Consider others more important. Consider their needs more. And if there was a theme that we could walk away with, if we want to serve our neighbor well, it is this, it's not about us. That is the simple theme for how to serve our neighbor. But if we want to do this, I think there are three specific things that, that we could really take away according to scripture that will help us realize if we are walking in humility or not. Uh, the first thing is this. If we are walking in humility, then we should live with an open hand. Live with an open hand. Uh, this is what it says in James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says, if a brother or sister is without clothes, and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well-fed, but you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? What good is it? You see, if we are to practice humility, then we should live with an open hand. Living with an open hand and living in humility understands one thing very clearly, that everything that we have Everything in our possession is only given to us, number one, by God's grace. And if we hold tightly to the things of this world, then there is absolutely no room left to hold on to the things of eternity. And what Paul is reminding us is that you cannot hold on to both things. And so when we live with an open hand, what we are saying is, Jesus, everything that I have, I recognize you gave to me, and everything I have can be used by you at any moment any way that you see it. What what is mine is yours. This is our posture before Jesus, that everything we have belongs to him. Everything we have can be reallocated at any moment to someone else who is in need, whether it is finances, whether it is the clothes that we have, whether it's the vehicles that we have, whether it's the, the home that we live in, according to Pauline, thought, Pauline theology, that everything belongs to the Lord. That means everything. That, that we don't hold tight to one possession. And this is what humility says. Humility says that when we serve with humility, it means that we give according to our neighbor's need, not according to what we are willing to give up. This is true humility and true kingdom focus. Secondly, we want to live with an open hand, but we also want to live with an open calendar. You see, these are two hot topics right here. We're talking about time, and we're talking about your resources, so some of us can say, well, we can just go get more resources. I've heard people tell me, uh, it's no big deal. I'm, I'm going to give because I'll just go make more money. But time you cannot make up. Time you cannot just create more, manufacture more of. And so this is something that is difficult, but you have no idea how many conversations I have with families. I have conversations with um, people in the church all the time. Man, I would serve. I just don't have the time i just don't have the time to give to this you know i think that this is one of the enemy's greatest traps of today is that we over budget our schedules that we try over and over to just cram so many things into one day, into one week, into one month, that we absolutely, even if we were to see our neighbor in need, that we would not have the time that it requires to serve them well. You know, we hear often, hey, do not live beyond your means financially. Well, according to Ephesians 5 We should not live beyond our means in our schedule and in our calendar. That if you find yourself saying over and over again, I just don't, I don't have time to do that, then there might need to be a very serious conversation about what is in your schedule. You know, I counsel with families and and so many times, listen, good things, good things keep up our time. They take away our time. But I have talked with families over and over again about baseball, basketball, soccer, football. Then you have, you have fall ball. You have spring. You have summer. You have travel leagues. You have all of these things. Listen, even if everything that you did for your son or daughter in these sports, if everything you did, even if it got them the ultimate goal of playing at the professional level, what good is it? for their soul. You see th- this is what causes us. We must think not only with our resources or our finances at an eternal level but we also must think in the same way of how we fill our schedule. You see sports they're not evil. Money is not evil. But it's what we do with it, how we steward it. Listen, Paul is very clear in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of time, because the days are evil. We are to steward our resources and steward our time well so that we are creating margin that we can serve our neighbors well. The third thing is this. We must live with an open voice. Live with an open voice. Now, being open with your tongue or being open with your voice, it doesn't just mean to cuss at your neighbor less, although that would be a good thing, okay? But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a Proverbs 31 understanding. It says this in verse 8 and verse 9. It says, speak up for those who have no voice. If we want to love our neighbor well, if we want to serve our neighbor, sometimes it means that we speak out on behalf of our neighbor for those especially who cannot speak up for themselves. This is why we speak up for the marginalized. This is why we speak up for those who are hurting, those who are in need, that we are vocal about these things. This is why we as a church must speak out against gospel issues of our day. We must speak out against racism. We must speak out against abortion. You wanna know who the greatest neighbor today is that has the smallest or littlest voice of our day is the aborted baby, day after day after day. in church, it is our job. This is a gospel issue that we must use our voice and speak on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves. We must live with an open voice. The third thing we see is that if we want to serve and love our neighbor well, We serve our neighbor with faith. We serve our neighbor with faith. Notice that we we don't serve our neighbor for faith, but we take the faith that God has given us and we go and serve our neighbor. And what we must understand is that serving begins in our heart. Serving begins with our heart. It is an overflow of the faith that we have received from Jesus Christ himself. It is an overflow of our love for Jesus, of our dependence on Jesus that we serve. It begins in our heart. This is what is said in Luke 6, 45. It says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up where? In his heart. This is how we serve We serve because we don't have an option but to do it because this is what Jesus did for us. Who in humility, that he came, that he left his seat, he left his throne, And humbly walked among man, so that why in our verse today it says to give his life as a ransom for many. He offered up himself on our behalf. And this is the example that we have. This is the gospel that we must understand is that we serve because Jesus served us in the greatest time of need that you and I will ever have. That in the sin that we walked, in our disparity that we walked, it was Jesus who came and he served, that he was so low in his service to us that he ransomed our life, that he redeemed us. You see, the problem with the disciples is that Jesus was talking about this. They didn't understand it, but he says, listen, are you going to drink from the cup that I am drinking? Are you going to be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized with? And their their answer to that was in verse 39. They just said, We are able. Yeah, Jesus, we hear you. We we can do that. We're able to do that. The problem is that Jesus was very aware. No, you can't. He was very aware. Jesus knew that it was going to take him drinking the cup. That it is his baptism. That it is his love That would come after us. And so it is with that faith that we have in Jesus beginning in our heart that we go and serve in the same way. Do you know what that means? This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, previous to our passage today. He says that if anybody wants to come after me, he says that he must deny himself. And then he must pick up his cross and then you come and follow me. You know what Jesus is saying? He's he's padding this with an understanding of how we are to serve. He's saying this is how I came to serve, that he died on our behalf and you and I are called to serve in the same way, that we die to ourselves so that we may live on behalf of others in the name of Jesus. This is what is expected of us. But not only do we do we have the faith? Not only do we, does it begin in our hearts, but also in faith, we must trust the Lord with the results. That we must trust the Lord with the results. You see, so many times that we want to try to manipulate the end story. Of the person that we are serving, We, we in the back of our mind, we want to make sure that it's worth it. That we want to make sure that, that they do come to faith in Jesus. We want to make sure that, that what we are giving up is worth it. And Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not how you serve. You serve with an understanding that I am in control of the results so whether or not this is a good use, whether or not you have a good return on your investment is not up to you, it's up to me. And this is what we learn. We see in Philippians 1.6, it says that I am sure of this. This is Paul speaking here. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He is the one who starts the good work. He is the one who completes the work. And so don't let it cripple you. Don't let it keep you from serving. If you don't think it's going to turn out well, it's not up to you. It's not up to me. We serve out of a love that we have for Jesus Christ and whatever he does with it, whatever he does with the results is for his purpose and his glory. We see this one chapter later in Philippians chapter two, verse 13, it says, for it is God who is working. It is God who is working. And see, we have to keep this understanding with us that it is the work of God that people will be changed. You see, we're all after the same thing. As believers in Jesus, when you serve, you want there to be a transformation to take place in their life because we want them to meet Jesus. This is our entire vision statement, transforming lives with the truth of Jesus. We want to connect them to Christ and to his body. We want them to grow in the likeness of Christ. We want them to multiply for the purpose of Christ. But listen, if we serve, it is nothing but a good deed until Jesus gets involved. You see, when Jesus gets involved, that's when life begins to change. When the Spirit falls this is when lives are changed I mean think about Ezekiel for a moment preaching to these dry bones if he if, if if the spirit is absent then he's just talking to a skeleton but when Jesus gets involved when the spirit of God falls dry bones come to life transformation takes place and this is what we have to trust with Jesus with the results that we want to serve in such a way that God we are trusting that you are going to have your spirit fall on this person that I'm going to to live as the light of Jesus. I'm going to serve. It may be worth it. It may not be, but you are in charge of the results and we are asking Jesus for life transformation in this person's life. That is why I'm going to serve. You see, apart from that, apart from this understanding, we're just people trying to be good, but we're not. We are a saved people with the good news of Jesus that if they would trust in Jesus, their lives too could be changed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you would help us serve well, that we would serve with authenticity, that it's for your kingdom. It's not for my personal gain, but Jesus, it is for you. It's all about you. That we would serve with this type of humility. God, that we would serve with a faith that is great, that is based on a a faith that we have that is spilling out of our hearts and a faith that is completely dependent on you for the results. God, will you use us? To transform lives. God, will you use us to change our communities? And God, let us be servants like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.